0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: Rise above and be in control with today's business headlines, driven by Volvo Cars. 8.48 8.48 right now. This is The Morning Run. Melissa Chuang and Joyce here with you. and We're taking a look at the top business stories of the day. Really, inequality seems to be the theme of the day. Uh, the government appears to recognise the need of the yawning income gap that is between the B40 and the middle and high-income households. Now, looking at the midterm review of the 11th Malaysia Plan, you have the six pillars um, for the plan. But three out of these six pillars have outlined, uh, uh, I guess,
2: achieving more equal distribution in terms of wealth. Yeah, so if you look at the second pillar that aims at uh, inclusive development and well-being of the people, the third targets balanced regional development and the fourth focuses on human capital empowerment. And our KLANG MP Charles Santiago, he has said that, you know, wages have been kept low for too long, hurting labour, especially low-skilled workers. It's not healthy for the economy and now people are paying the price. And he adds that, you know, you know the need to revisit the country's poverty line at is it's just too low
0: Okay, so of course there's been calls by economists, for example, for better education for the B40 to help increase productivity, short-term measures, for example, st- stabilising food prices, affordable transportation. And of course we are on the cusp of Budget 2019. Helicopter money, for example, would be a, a very good shot in the arm for the poor. Mm, well whether as, or
1: not we might see that, Chong, because, you know...
0: Because we are constricted by way of fiscal measures. But
1: also this budget is touted to be a good budget, not a goodies budget. Mm.
0: It's, it's touted to be a difficult budget. It, it is. To decide. the... Painful, painful, painful. Painful, yeah. So how the government comes up with, uh, and this is the the Pakatan Harapan's maiden uh, budget. It's going, to, it's going to be very interesting to how, how
2: innovative they're going to be. Well, Subang MP Wong Chen has said that progressive taxation is the only way to narrow the income gap. And in quotes, he says that the government could maintain the current tax rate, ensure efficient collection, and uh, really use the money on the poor. If we speak to economists, what they're saying is that if we hear what they say, they're saying that better education for the B40 could help increase productivity, as well as, uh, uh, as Chuang mentioned earlier, stabilizing food prices, look at affordable transportation.
0: Yeah, so um, the thing is, when you look at the official Western um, uh, computations of the disparity between the rich and the poor, the haves and the have-nots, what is called the Gini coefficient, mm-hmm. over the last 40 years, the numbers actually dropped for 0.51 to around about at 0.4. But uh, research by the Kazana Research Institute suggests that quite the opposite is happening. And in the Age Weekly, of course, this week, um, they've got uh, people like Dr Nongsari, Sari, uh, people from the KRI as well, discussing the fact that actually the gap, has never been wider. And there's a huge gap between the rural households and the urban households. The fact that even the large enterprises' productivity is superior by two and a half times the quantum to, for example, the government sector. So there's a lot of room for improvement. Mm. How the government does this from its made outing it's going to be very, very interesting. Yeah. Because, I mean, most of us, we know kind of like from a broad macro perspective what is needed, like education. The the nuts and bolts is where the action is. It's
2: in the implementation, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And if you look at stats, also, they show that among the urban poor in KL, one in three households have no social safety net. This means like no insurance, no SOXO, no EPF. They are earning above the, the poverty rate, but, you know, they, they, they have no social safety net. So I want to
0: cite the fact that, um, you know how banks Negara is, has issued a directive to foreign insurers to reduce their holdings uh, in their entities by some thirty percent to local interest. That's right. Well, that initiative has been thwarted somewhat because of the fact that the local market has been so weak. So they can't IPO those shares. They can't do it in the trade zone because going it's too to expensive. Buy that who's going to buy yeah. it? Right. So. Um, Citing sources, The Age of Malaysia has, has has basically attributed a couple of suggestions, kind of like an advocacy article suggesting to Bank Negara that the third option exists because if the four, three or four big foreign insurers were to say, uh, put each of them 2.5 billion ringgit into a fund, which would then go on to have a huge accumulated fund size of about 10 billion ringgit to then insure the B40 and to give them the adequate healthcare protection, then it would go some way towards alleviating their problems to narrow somewhat this disparity, because as we know, and we I want to cite Ong Kian Ming's uh, discussion this morning, saying that you know our discussion of whether the, the poverty, poverty line, line is, has yeah? must also include the potential vulnerability of your of your dependents and the medical costs associated with it. It's one thing to take you, your gross income number; it's quite another to also be cognizant of the fact that you're one medical disaster away, It's or one medical poverty. cost away yeah, from disaster. So,
1: so I think we should, we need to make the distinction between absolute poverty, which Absolutely. has been almost eradicated. Zero here in Malaysia, but
2: uh, relative poverty is still quite rampant, especially among the urban poor. Yeah, and uh, especially if you can't, well, when you look at the budget 2019, it could be, there are a number of things they could look at. It could also be in terms of uh, tax deductions or exemptions not just tax rates uh, like you was saying progressive tax rates is the way to go but it also could be exemptions where um, taxpayers could get exemptions on certain things mm.
0: Yeah we have a whole bunch of we've got a laundry list of exemptions here and the sales and service tax is quite reflective of the fact that we're moving in that direction I think the progressive tax regime benefits those who are making money But in the B40, and you've got two kind of levels. You've got the low income and you've got the lower middle income. They comprise about 40% of households, right? Mm. And that's a lot of people. These guys are by and large exempt of individual tax. Or if they are taxed, it's going to be very little. They need much, much more. Yeah. What is that much, much more?
1: If I were just to come back very quickly to, you know, that source story in The Edge about um, foreign insurers could likely fund, you know, this, this kind of medical scheme for the poor. I'm just wondering whether this is with, in the spirit of what Bank Nagara wanted into, when they wanted to
2: cap foreign ownership of insurers, right? They essentially wanted it to go back to the local equity. Yeah, go back to Malaysians because a lot of these uh, foreign insurers 100% owned by them and they repatriate back the funds overseas. And uh, there, there's a rolling deadline for some time. The last yeah. deadline was June 30th. Yeah. <laughs> after, after May 9th, there was no news on it. But recently, last week, uh, FT came out with an article to say that the Malaysia uh, Malaysian government could be open to discussions about allowing foreign insurers to maintain full ownership of domestic insurance. And, yeah. and do
1: you remember, I think it was the, under the previous uh, Bank Negara governor, I mean, he was very I guess uh, particular uh, he had some choice words to give to the insurance uh, uh, landscape, insurance sector about unaffordable insurance, uh, sh- insurance that was not being you know not not servicing this this um, section of society. So even if there is a sell down in terms of the stake of these foreign insurers. W- it won't go to the poor anyway yeah. it, won't, it won't benefit the poor so may, maybe this could be another option that Bank of America yeah, yeah, consider yeah. this medical scheme for the poor could be yeah so different. the positive
0: aspect to this particular suggestion is the fact that there will be B40s that will be and kept will be covered by this new scheme the negative side is the fact that they will continue the foreign insurance continue to own 100% in their entities and therefore Malaysia will lose out in corporation tax because there will be the well profits will be repatriated back to a, their
1: is that an acceptable trade-off
2: well I control? don't know I mean,
0: I mean, I think you know we've got a new governor at Bank Negara, so it's for her and her team to go and go sift through the data and to crunch the numbers.
2: So, according to the itch story, based on the sum of two point five billion ringgit, the medical insurance will cover an estimated five million people in the B forty group, with each of them getting about ten thousand ringgit coverage annually, up to ten years. Right. So, this, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, this was one of the 10 core
1: promises that Pakatan Harapan had made in its 100 um, day election manifesto. Um, I think it was Skim Peduli right? Yet, if I'm not mistaken. Could be a, a variation of that. Who knows? We haven't, we don't have the details of this yet. But um, all we know is the government is looking to have a medis- medical scheme for the poor. Another story that caught our attention this morning as well was the fact that um, Malaysians are not saving enough. So, apparently, um, Malaysians are saving. Saving less these days. Uh, possibilities we're not earning enough. But looking at
2: the pace of growth, it has been um, slowing down. Yeah. So for um, 2017, that has weakened compared to the previous years. Uh, for 2011 to 2012, that went up to nearly seven percent. While well, that's the savings rate. While well, uh, 2016 to 2017, savings were only increased by four percent. Mm, so maybe the wages, um, the increase in wages,
1: is something we need to look at. Other news this morning include the front page of Star Biz Eyes on who replaces Tajuddin. This is in reference to the CEO of Bursa Malaysia, um, Datuk Sri Tajuddin Atan. His contract will expire by the end of March next year. And so the star is looking at who could be the replacement for
0: him. Yeah, exactly. So this is quite apt because obviously this comes hot on the heels of discussions that could be capital gains tax on on capital market profits. And if that would happen, that would really spell the death knell of Bursa Malaysia as we know it because it's been it's been in such distressed territory for the last few weeks, years, especially in terms of primary issuances. But um, some of the names that have been discussed obviously uh, include people like um, RHB Banks, Head of Group Wholesale Equities, Azra Asman. Don't forget that Tajuddin Atan has come from RHB. Yeah. Yeah, previously. Yeah, he was he the was CEO
2: that's MD, right. of RHB Bank. Mm-hmm.
0: Another name is uh, M Bank Group's Managing Director of Wholesale Banking, Wholesale Banking, of course, another name for investment banking, Teh uh, Maimuna Raja. Tehma, Raja. Mm-hmm. And of course, MA Group CEO, Dato Mamat Uma Swift, also in the mix.
2: Also, we have uh, SJ Securities MD and CEO, Dato Ahmad Azman Abdumanev. That's also another name up in uh, potential name being considered for the post. Uh, Starbiz also wrote about how the board is said to be experiencing some pressure to consider certain individuals. Individuals for the top post. Oh dear.
1: Okay, so that I think what we want to see is less uh, political pressure when it comes to corporate Malaysia, right?
0: Yeah, um, just want to also point out that there's some internal candidates being considered. Of course, Chief Commercial Officer Salvarani Rasaya as well as Chief Operating Officer Datin Azalina Adham. Uh, from Salvarani's perspective, she was formerly CRO, Chief Regulatory Officer. Ooh. And if she is um, obviously appointed to head Bursa Malaysia, might it spell a, a more hardline stance with regulation from a frontline regulator. In fact, even one day, maybe down the line, Um, consolidating regulatory duties with one entity rather than the two right now with both our frontline, uh, SE uh, back-end, you know, it's a bit confusing to yes, investors, yes. right? Yes, okay, so, so this
1: could, maybe, we maybe. might see some changes there. Yeah. Um, the other thing that came out over the weekend, if you guys uh, uh, saw this, CIMB group has appointed Datuk Sri Nasir Ahmad as their new chairman.
2: Yeah, so this took effect on 20th of this month, uh, the Saturday had just passed. This follows uh, Datuk Sri Nasir Razad's, uh, him stepping down on the 19th. Yeah, so Datuk Nasir is from Media Prima, isn't he?
1: Isn't
0: that his background? Yeah, yeah. Is group so chairman of Media Prima? It is, but, you know, CIMB obviously, a, a Um, one of the GLIC big investments and um, you would have to assume that following the wake of Dato Sri Nazir Raza the new chairman either has to basically fill that that aura that that he left behind or Mm. you have almost like a safe bet right? and it disappears to the market that Dato Nazir is a safe bet
1: Alright, we've got the 9 o'clock news bulletin coming up next with the opening numbers from Bursa Malaysia Stay tuned, BFM 89.9 Keeping you on track for peak business performance with the new Volvo XC40, the expression of innovation. Volvo, made by Sweden.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.